0: Welcome to Theology Matters, a podcast that applies theology to everyday life. This podcast is a ministry of Bible Baptist Church of SOTUS. I am your host, Pastor Nick Boothman. With me today is Pastor Jay Riggleman. He is the senior pastor of Bible Baptist Church of SOTUS. Welcome, Pastor Jay.
1: Thanks, Nick. Glad to be here.
0: Our topic today is this Was Jesus God or just a good teacher? We chose this topic because recent survey evidence shows more and more self proclaimed evangelicals are denying the divinity of Christ. Let me break that down. So, in other words, more people in churches around America are saying Jesus was just a good teacher, but he was not actually God. It was actually quite alarming how many people claim to be an evangelical Christian and also deny. The divinity of Christ. So this is a very important topic and is imperative that we seek to know what the Bible says about this topic. So Pastor Jay, what would you say to somebody who came up to you maybe after the service and they told you, yeah, Jesus was a really good teacher. He was a great teacher. You know, I follow what he says in the Bible, but he was not actually God. What would you say to that person? Well, Nick,
1: uh, that's a great question, and I would lovingly say that they have it half right. Jesus was, in fact, a great and masterful teacher, uh, but he was also God. Uh, These two descriptions of Jesus Christ, great teacher and God, in the flesh, are not not meant to be mutually exclusive of each other. Let me put it this way. The theology of the Bible would teach that these descriptions are not a both and, are, are, are both and, not an either or choice regarding Jesus. And that it really matters where you land with your beliefs about Jesus. And since the name of our podcast is Theology Matters, I want to just give you some examples from Scripture, the theology of Scripture, that I would use to answer uh, this question. First of all, uh, Jesus clearly taught that he was, in fact, God. He did that through his eternality. In John chapter 8, uh, verses 58 and 59, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. And at this, they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because he was making the statement that he was eternal. And in their minds, that could only be reserved for God himself. And so they actually were going to try to kill Jesus because of that statement of eternality that he made. In John chapter 10 and verse 30, he also makes this statement, I and the Father are one, which is a statement of equality. Jesus claimed to be one with God in the sense of being equal to God. Jesus did not claim to simply be a messenger or a teacher of God or even a prophet of God, but that he had equal standing and power with God. One more example of how he clearly taught this was in Mark chapter 14 at his arrest. And during one of his trials, it says in verse 61, the high priest asked him, point blank, are you the Messiah the Son of the Blessed One, and Jesus said, "I am, and you will see the Son of Man, or you will see me sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. This reference by Jesus to being the Son of the Blessed One refers back to Daniel chapter seven, thirteen and fourteen, which is a prophecy of the Son of Man, the Messiah who is considered divinity, in other words, I am the Messiah." sent by and equal to God. And you're like, did they even get that? Well, they kind of did because the high priest tore his clothes and said, why do we need any more witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy that Jesus in their minds had made uh, against their teaching because he equated himself with God.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And I know sometimes people make the claim Jesus never said, hey guys, I am God. You're actually saying he did make those claims and to the original audience is really, really clear. Is that what you're saying?
1: Absolutely. He, he didn't use those exact words, like you said, in, in the gospels, but in the minds of the um, the. the Religious leaders and the teachers and the Pharisees, the ones that, that knew the Jewish religion and were really caught up in the law and, and following God, there was no doubt in their mind that he was equating himself to God, and that really fired them up. And, and it really uh, got them angry to the point of uh, wanting him killed and then eventually wanting him arrested and, and kind of taking out of the picture uh, because of those claims. So Jesus clearly taught that he was God. Uh, through Jesus, Here's a second way. Through Jesus' teaching, the people also recognized something different about him. In the book of Mark, chapter 1 and verse 22, as Jesus was teaching, there's a response from the people. And it says they were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. And then in verse 27 of that same chapter it says the people were also amazed that that they asked each other what is this a new teaching and with new authority which means they recognized that jesus taught with authentic authority and they were amazed astonished left at a loss literally blown away why because he taught as one as having authority direct from god with power and passion different from their human teachers they saw something in jesus Uh, And Nick, I know you and I have spent a lot of time in the classroom and we have different teachers that we've had in the past I'm sure in seminary that we liked some more than others. Hopefully they're not listening Um, But we we like certain teachers and and some seem to be more authorities or have more um, Influence than others, but none of them in our minds rose to the level of being equal with God It just didn't happen. I'm I think I could speak for you in that way but in this situation the people recognized that Jesus was someone different than they had ever heard or seen before, ever.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And kind of like what you said, when I'm teaching in the classroom, the only reason people should listen to me is not what I say. It's because I point to the Bible and say, this is what God says. Well, Jesus was a little different in that regards, because he claimed his own authority. He still relied on the Father, he, you know, he still relied on God, but he also relied on his own authority because he is God, and that's a, that's a really good point.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So number three, uh, another reason uh, that I would share with people that he was more than just a great teacher is that other New Testament passages affirm Jesus as actually being God. Uh, The Apostle John, in John chapter 1 and verse 1, wrote, In the beginning was the Word, talking about Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, again, very apparent there. Paul writes in Romans chapter 9 and verse 5, "Theirs are the patriarchs, talking about the Jews and and their, their leaders from the past, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah. That means the Messiah would come from the line of these patriarchs, and then it identifies the Messiah, very clearly, who is God over all, forever praised, amen. So if Jesus is recognized and claimed to be the Messiah, it's saying here that Paul is saying that the Messiah is God over all. And then one more um, section of scripture, Hebrews Hebrews chapter one, it says, in the past, uh, starting with verse number one, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets uh, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir over all things, and through whom he also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So the book of Hebrews, again, makes it very clear that Jesus is not just a great teacher. He's actually God.
0: Yeah, that's really good, and... um A lot of the scripture passages you've used so far is from the New Testament, just devil's advocate. Maybe I would say, okay, Jesus is just claiming something new. This is not what the Old Testament teaches. Is there anything in the Old Testament that would point to this is actually uh, something that was, you know, said in the Old Testament? What What would you say about that?
1: Wow, Nick, thanks for bringing me right to the next point here. That's that's great. (laughs) One final way that I would kind of talk to somebody about Jesus actually being God would be by pointing them back to some of the Old Testament prophecies that are fulfilled by Jesus and refer to him as God. Uh, I'll just give two examples, both from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, kind of a Christmas themed verse. And we really uh, identify Jesus as fulfilling that prophecy. And it says, uh, give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. So not just great teacher with us, but God with us. And then Isaiah chapter 9, and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And then it goes on to give some descriptions of this son, this Messiah. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and then Mighty, wait for it, God. So again, I think there are several places that the Old Testament and the prophecies being fulfilled by Jesus refer to him as actually being God. I want to just end this, answering this question, then you can follow up if you'd like, with just one more example of Jesus being more than just a great teacher. It's very intriguing to me that towards the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus asked his disciples this question, who do people say that I am? They replied, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, and these all were very flattering comparisons and most likely given to him by people because his teachings were similar and respected and, and he, they considered him a great teacher. But then Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus then commends Peter's conclusion and declares that God revealed it to Peter. And what was Peter's conclusion? As the Messiah, the Anointed One, Jesus was more than a great teacher. He was, in fact, God. Peter was saying it's not just about what is being said, great teacher, but who is saying it. it is God's Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And I really appreciate the fact that you used many scripture passages from the Old Testament and New Testaments, because it'd be really difficult for somebody to, you know, look at all this evidence from the Bible standpoint and say that Jesus was just a good teacher, but he was not God. So I think the scripture evidence really points to that. And as I was thinking about this too, uh, C.S. Lewis was a Christian writer. He was an apologist, so he defended his faith. And I love what he said because he said this claim doesn't hold any water logically either. And I I know you know this uh, line of argument, but I'll I'll say it for the listeners. C.S. Lewis said, you basically have three options. You can't say that Jesus was just a good teacher, but not God. You have three options. One, you'd have to say that Jesus was a liar. Because Jesus clearly taught, like you pointed out, that Jesus is God. So you look at his teaching— That doesn't make him a good teacher. That actually makes him a liar. Number two, you'd either have to call him a liar or a lunatic because if he actually believes he's God and he's not, that would make him crazy. Or three, you'd have to say, Jesus is Lord. What he's saying is true. We're going to believe in him by faith, and that's going to change our life. So you don't really have an option to say he was a good teacher, but he was not Lord.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the religious leaders— were trying their best early on to discredit Jesus in that way, trying to get people to put him on the fringe or to not believe uh, in his authority that it came from somebody else. But then once that wasn't working, and why wasn't it working? Because the people were beginning to believe, "Hey, he may be the Messiah." They had to find other ways to get rid of Jesus.
0: Absolutely. So let's move on to the next question. So we, you did such a good job of painting the biblical picture of this question. Next question. Is it a big deal for someone who calls himself a Christian to believe that Jesus was not God? I mean, does this fall into the same category of, you know, what color to paint the church walls? We could paint them red, purple, blue. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Disag- you know, we can agree to disagree, or does this question really matter?
1: Yeah, Nick, it really matters. This is not a secondary issue as it relates to theology, And I want to be very clear that this is a huge deal because how someone answers this question has eternal consequences. Some would call a person that you just described as an agnostic theist. And this is the belief that in the existence of God, but not in fact Jesus as God. Um, So does it really matter what we believe about Jesus as long as we believe in God or a higher power? It really does matter. I want to look for just a moment at the theology of the Bible and what it says about this issue. In John chapter 6, we read about Jesus responding to a crowd of people who are embracing him primarily for his recent miracle of providing them with food, feeding of the 5,000. And then he rebukes their emphasis on temporal things like food and challenges them to think long-term about eternal life through God's Son, whom God has literally placed his seal of approval on, it says in the text. It's really a cool wording there. So Jesus has fed them, and they come back, and they are huge crowds, and they're all excited about maybe getting another free lunch. And Jesus says, hey, we need to step back for a moment and really focus on what's most important, and that is the idea of eternal life so they 're sensing that Jesus is kind of upset with them about what they 're doing, and he challenges them to think eternal, not just temporal. So they respond uh, with this question to Jesus in John chapter six and verse twenty eight They ask Jesus, "What must we do to do the works that God requires so What is it that God wants us to do? Since you want us to focus on eternal things, and keep this in mind as we're answering the question, does it matter if you just believe in God and not in Jesus? What does God want us to do? Jesus answers them, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. In other words, you need to believe in Jesus, not just in the God who sent him. And I would say by definition, a Christian must believe in God the Father who sent Jesus and in Jesus the Son of God, divine, God in the flesh, who was sent by God. Another way to say it, God does not, be very clear, God does not identify someone as being a Christian who does not believe that Jesus is God. Okay, It just doesn't work that way. Uh, the Apostle John states it several ways in his Gospel. Whoever does not honor the Son, Jesus does not honor the Father. you, you can 't have one without the other. John chapter five verse twenty six For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself and then john three thirty six Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. And here's the correlation. For God's wrath, God the Father's wrath remains on them. So I could pull up many other verses, but it's pretty clear here that you can't say, I, I believe in a higher power, I believe in God, I think I'm good when it comes to my eternal destiny. No, uh, it's a package deal here. Uh, with God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, so slightly more important than what to, uh, what color to paint the walls, correct? Uh, I would
1: say more than slightly, but yes, it's elevated <laughs> <Absolutely>. above that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to add to that. Uh, when I was thinking through this, another reason I think this is such a big deal is if we deny the de- deity of Christ, really our whole Bible falls apart. I mean, how can Jesus save us if he's not God? Hebrews points to this. We need a perfect— Sacrifice in order for Jesus to to save us on the cross, and you know how can we follow the what the Bible says about worshiping Christ and glorifying Christ if He's not God? What about the Trinity? I mean, really, uh, if you're a claim to be an evangelical Christian and you deny this, you, your your whole Bible falls apart, and that's a that's a big deal.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And and at the at the you know the root of this maybe is the idea of uh, people and. I think sometimes it's intentional, sometimes unintentional that People want to. It's easier in their mind to kind of define who God is and kind of put God in a box or, or kind of manipulate that. And and they need to keep Jesus out of the equation because once Jesus comes in, it really exposes our need for a Savior, our need for forgiveness, uh, and that really complicates matters for for many people. So if they can just you know put Jesus in the category of just being a, another religious figure from the history books um, or just a good teacher, it's it's easier to deal with the whole. Problem process. But if we, if we include Jesus in as God, we're confronted with our need uh, for forgiveness. And uh, th- that's a good thing, um, but we need to do that.
0: Absolutely. Let's move on to our last point. Uh, it's, it's some application. So we really don't want these, you know, these theological truths to just be head knowledge. We want them to saturate our hearts. We want them to change our whole lives. So let's talk about this question. I'll, I'll ask you this question. How does believing in Jesus's divinity affect our day-to-day lives? So how does this change the way me as a parent of two kids, how does it change the way I parent my kids? How does it change the way I treat my boss, which is you? <laughs> uh, how does it affect those day-to-day things where, you know, it, it's motivating me, it's, it's affecting my heart, and it's, it's causing me to change my whole life?
1: Well, these are uh, great questions, Nick, and thank you for taking us to the um, the subject of application because uh, certainly we don't want this just to be uh, information uh, that we're, we're putting out to people or and simply pointing them to the scriptures but also how can they take this and, and live it out. I, I'm just going to focus on one area, and then if you, you and I can kind of go back and forth with this a little bit. I think that believing in the divinity of Jesus very much uh, affects our lives in a practical way on a daily basis. Because for me, if I really believe that Jesus is God, that he's divine, and that he has rescued me and saved me. His divinity reinforces his role as Lord over my life. It, it really brings the uh, authority that he has over my life as Lord, which means um, he has authority over all the areas of my life, all the relationships in my life. And because of that position, I have a responsibility. Jesus himself said to his disciples and then to me if you love me keep my commands and and the idea is why should i have any kind of um, responsibility to jesus and keeping his commands because he is my lord He, he is god and so it should influence that. And what does that look like for me? What that looks like for me is if Jesus is God, if Jesus is divine, then when he tells me uh, that I need to love my wife like he loved me, uh, that is that is something that should motivate me in my relationship with Pam. Because uh, it's coming. It's not just coming from another um, human to me, uh, that advice or that counselor or that challenge. It's coming from God himself through Jesus Christ. Um, love. Love your wife like I have loved you. And then the Bible talks about, you know, even parenting, that we're supposed to parent and model for our kids what Christ-likeness is. And why would we do that? Because Christ has a claim on our life, because he is God. And we're to teach them the truth of Christ and why that matters, because he is, uh, he is divine. And then getting back to what you referenced about the boss relationship, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5, I know it's talking about masters and slaves, but it's interesting that Paul challenges slaves to respond to their masters uh, by obeying them as we would obey Christ, which means the motivation is I'm going to try to to be the best uh, worker I can be because I'm, when I do that, I'm obeying Christ and I'm motivated to obey Christ because he is Lord and he is God. So these things go on and on and on. And then one verse that came to my mind with application from this is, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by, the faith, by faith in the son of God. He's actually God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the, again, he has this claim on my life uh, as being uh, divine that motivates me in my relationships.
0: Yeah, that's really good. So just to clarify, you're saying, say the husband, a husband is listening and he spends all of his time in the garage. He loves his 69 Camaro. You know, every night he spends four or five hours uh, during dinner time when the wife gets the kids to bed. I mean, he's just waxing the car he's fixing it he's listening to the engine purr he's driving it around if he really believes in the lordship of christ and submits to the lordship of christ he would go inside and love his wife like christ loves the church because that's what he's commanded to he's submitting to that doesn't mean he can't have a 69 camaro but he he really has to you know follow Christ and listen to his commands, and that would change his life if he believes in that. That's what you're saying.
1: Absolutely, because if if that husband merely thinks that Christ is just another good teacher or... uh, you know, someone that has some good sayings that he knows from the Bible or from Sunday school, if there's no authority behind that, it may not be a motivating factor for him to leave the garage. And there may be other people kind of going after him saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, and he's pushing them away. But if he really understands the claim of Christ in his life, there's going to be some uh, Holy Spirit uh, prompting there that, hey, you need to follow Jesus as God and this is what he says to do.
0: Absolutely. So that is all the questions we have today. This is the podcast Theology Matters, a podcast that applies theology to everyday life. Pastor Jay really enjoyed our discussion.
1: Thank you Nick, it was so good to be here.
0: If you enjoy this episode, just invite you to share it with a friend, a coworker, a family member, a neighbor, just anybody in your sphere of influence. We believe these truths matter to our lives, but also to the people around us. And we invite you to join us next time. Our topic is going to be, are people born innocent or guilty? God bless.